0: I'm Dr. Gene Hemsler, and you're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most-respected money show on radio. For more than 25 years, my associates and I have been providing straightforward, no-nonsense advice for your financial questions. Email us at drgene That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com.
1: This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired January 5th, 2019.
0: We have to fix. the economic health of this nation has been four essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline Wee. in the dollar It'll is great. So, late rally on Wall Street, too big to fail. Grow the economy, growing the economy. Amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. 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 Yeah.
1: This is Money Talk. Money
2: Good morning. Hello, fam. What yeah, up? It is. What up? You know, I just, what up? I just know this for the first time. The been, very I've, first time. I've been on the show for a while. And that first drop, we got Trump talking about the economy. Yeah. It's
1: amazing. We're shadowing, law, huh?
2: We've been trying to tell you guys for years.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you heard it here first.
1: That's right. All right. I'm Troy Harmon. I'm here today with Jacob Keene and Nicholas Antonucci. Nick. How formal. Yeah. Nick, I, I usually go through everybody's designations except for my own. Um, you got a couple, right? CVA, CEPA. Now, the yes. CVA is a certified valuation analyst, and we all know I have that one as well. But We, uh, all, know. we all know that it's a business valuation, really focused more on private businesses, right? Correct. So, uh, that's one of your uh, subspecialties outside of being just a research guy, and it's an right. all-research show today. In fact, I failed to mention one individual who is on the show that um, he's spoken a lot already, and I would expect him to speak even more, uh, Buster Bruton.
2: A.K.A. the A.K. A.K.
1: That's right. Buster.
2: Buster the like young A.K. Gunner.
1: Yeah, there we go.
2: A <laughs> uh, uh, recent graduate uh, of talk, Arkansas Buster. State University. <laughs> yeah.
1: B- Buster's uh. Buster's, we uh, gave him
2: a mic, guys. I promise.
1: Yeah. No, he's he's here. He's, uh, research he's yeah, <laughs> a
2: research intern
1: designation.
2: That's <laughs> right. Research
1: intern. He's the he's the senior uh, senior research intern. Yeah. There you go. Um, get right up in that microphone if you're gonna talk there, Buster. Uh, Buster will be doing our dog of the week later in the next segment, but uh, did want to make sure that we didn't uh, overlook him. So, guys. Uh, you, you've already made fun of Trump a little bit. And I wasn't
2: uh, making fun. I just I noticed for the first time. You, know,
1: you hadn't seen That's, it's You we were relatively making fun to point out, out of
2: the, the great tweet today that he sent out. Oh, that was absurd.
1: Yeah, well, I don't even
2: know if we should mention that. Any probably given not. day,
1: you could probably say that. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, many of Trump's um, policies have actually been good for the economy and yeah, good for, sure. for the markets. Yeah. Uh, there There's absolutely no doubt there. Uh, some of his other uh I, I, honestly, this is my own personal opinion, but I could hear a whole lot fewer of his tweets and be much happier.
3: Sure. And, you know, you talk about most of policies have been kind of uh, good for the economy, good for the markets. Um, and, you know, we, we've talked amongst ourselves. You're coming off of 2018 that looked like it was going to be so promising, uh, you know, three quarters of the way through the year, ended up finishing in the red. Um, but if you look at it over two-year period, basically since Trump – Came into office, what are we looking at, like almost 8% yeah, annual,
1: annualized returns? 7.91, something like that. Um, 2018, I guess it's time to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, we did. Well, we were up over 10% at one point. Uh, wound up losing.
3: 4.39% on the year.
1: Yeah. Total return. <clears throat> top of the market on September 20th to the end of the year, uh, we lost 13.99%. And uh, it was worse than that. I was going to say, oh, and yeah. that's,
3: that's uh, as, as Jacob said, the, uh, the Boxing Day rally.
1: Yeah, late we didn't, Santa Claus, we didn't rally. Santa Claus.
2: Of course, I'm a maniac, so I was, I was checking everything. Even Christmas Eve was wild, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Down on Huge Christmas sell-off. Eve and then 5% day yeah, the day after Christmas. After Christmas? One thing set. I'd
1: point out is during those times of the year, uh, most of the traders are not really involved. Most people are on vacation. Yeah, volume, volume yeah. tends to be volume, pretty light. Yeah. So that's I, when we
2: joke that the uh, interns are in charge at all the hedge funds. Yeah, that's right. I,
1: I uh, <laughs> usually call it amateur hour, Yeah, uh, and I think it's a fitting note. Um, well, if
3: it's amateur hour, are we closed <laughs> next year during those times?
1: No. Oh. Our, <sighs> our schedule is is not going to be related to that. I mean, you know, maybe maybe the indication is that some of us are amateurs, so we need to be here to support the cost. Oh,
3: okay, see <laughs> what you're saying. Uh,
1: anyway, uh, this week didn't get very much information, but Thursday did kick off uh, mortgage applications, which is a, a weekly thing. Four-week moving average uh, purchase applications ticked up by 0.5%. Uh, refinancing dropped 0.1%, uh, driven by 10.6% decline of refinancing. And this is just a horrible time, yeah it for, it's for mortgages, right,
3: yeah, especially being a a holiday week, who's going out there and closing on a on a home?
1: Nobody, it's seasonal, I mean that's the thing yeah, sure. there are some people that'll buy a new house
3: now, right I will before say the
1: holidays, but it, they're very few I,
3: I will say in the in the past few weeks though, as you've seen rates come back down, you have started to see mortgage applications pick up, yeah, as you would expect, <clears throat> you know, I know we've talked about it uh, on on the show the past few weeks where you're outro, but it, Something that always kind of surprised me. You'll see mortgage rates fall 10 basis points or something, and you'll see a spike up in mortgage applications, or even if it let's call it 20 basis points. How many people have been sitting on the sidelines over 20 basis points?
2: Yeah, I don't Staying know. Staying
3: away from home ownership over 20 basis points. I well, think. maybe
2: that's part of the pitch from the mortgage broker.
1: Yeah, but they're, they're always <laughs>
2: going to be pitching <laughs> that. Oh, yeah, the
1: mortgage broker's only there to sell the mortgage. Yeah. Trust me, they're not going to talk you out of one.
2: Well, speaking of, ri- I mean, we, Rates have been interesting lately, right, guys? Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Re- well, let's tie it into this. Mortgage rates, 11 basis points lower, 4.5 on a uh, 30-year average, right? Right. So kick it off. What do you say about the interest rates?
2: Well, I, I mean, we've seen an inversion in the curve in multiple points, Yeah, right? not
1: the 2 minus 10, which we look for no. normally.
2: No. But but Near term.
1: Yeah, it's internal. It's, it's uh, weird. Uh, the one-year is higher than the two-year. Right. Which is higher than the three-year.
3: Yep. I, I think and it's higher than the five-year. Yeah. It is. Say all the way out to like six or seven even.
1: I don't know how much further it is than the five, but I do know that the treasury curve looks confusing. Uh, but there is definitely some inversion. And when did it happen? Happened like the 19th? Was that yeah, the, uh, the day something that the like Fed that. came yeah. out? I said, know this is a weird way to describe really it if you look
3: at it. It almost looks like a Nike check the way it is. Yeah, right now. A Nike sure swoosh. So that's yeah. what I'm dubbing it. It's, it's not so a classic curve.
1: inversion, the right. 2 minus 10, or you know, 2 minus 10 being negative, where the 2 percent's higher than the 10%, or 2-year maturity is higher than the 10-year maturity, rather. Um, but it is an inversion within the curve.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, let's... Let's talk about what that means, though, right? I mean, we use the 2 minus 10, or 10 minus 2, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Because typical investment horizon is going to be longer than 10 years. You know, you're buying stocks. I mean, that's some of the input into the rate is growth expectations, inflation expectations that's going to drive, you know, business profits, etc. But if we're talking about an inversion, you know, one, two, three years, what's being said there, it almost feels like the bond market's Calling Jay Powell's bluff. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Right?
1: Well, I mean let's Near think term it. near term so, so Jay Powell gave us an interest rate increase. He wasn't alone. There are seven Fed governors.
3: No there are no helped, dissenters.
1: That helped make that decision. Right. Nobody, not one of them stood up and said, It's crazy to us. I, really, if you look at the numbers, the PCE deflator headline, one point eight percent. Their target is two. Inflation is below target. Even when you add, which is weird, too, you add, you, you take away food, food and, and energy. energy. It goes up to 1.9%. Usually you take away food and energy, which are considered too volatile. So, you know, in this case, they were obviously lower.
3: Yeah, and you think about well, where energy prices, where oil prices have
4: been.
1: That was what the big difference was. So, so you've, got, you've got that as one of your mandates, inflation, right? The other one is employment. Yeah. Three point seven percent unemployment rate. Right. Well, in in my opinion, what well, is around five percent what most people consider full inflation. Employment. I mean full employment. I'm gonna get it <laughs> right <inflation>. here. Full <laughs> inflation. <laughs> yeah, is there a full inflation. <laughs> full, full employment. So so we've got full employment and we've got inflation below our target and we're gonna raise interest rates. The fundamentals didn't support it. We've talked about this yeah. for months though. And, well, and our they, options market was still telling us it's better than a coin flip. We're going to get – we got a 70% probability of a rate increase. When you heard the commentary from the Fed governors individually, which still kind of I struggle with trying to understand why they let them out there. When, on their you, have, own. when you have a consolidated policy, I would think. But well, we'll, we'll get some always.
3: details next week. we get the minutes next Wednesday. Yeah. And then tomorrow
1: – But it's just weird to me. I mean – the market was saying all along yeah we're going to get it now granted usually when you're that close to an interest rate decision you have a stronger signal if it's going to be positive it's usually in the mid 90s probability
2: you know but but here we were well that was wi- that was wild because i actually was reading a study that the fed has never hiked with the options probability below 70 percent and the morning of or the day before it was like 70.3 well
3: even the day before that when we were when you mentioned that statistic it was sub 70 yeah and as we got to the day of that
2: morning it had just reached 70 barely there it felt like the street was just slowly wrapping their head around the possibility um even though it was tailing off into the meeting it, it it got there
1: yeah well i mean here's the thing it all looked weird Really, the only sense I could make of it is about the same thing that Janet Yellen said when she gave us our first interest rate cut after the 2008, I mean, first interest rate increase after the 2008 cut. That was retooling for the next recession. It's the only sense that can be made of any of this, in my opinion. Yep. So, um, anyway, let's uh, go to a real quick break. When we come back, you guys are going to hear the dulcet tones of none other than Buster oh, Bruton.
0: Bruton. Stick around, you're listening to Money Dogs. It's time for the Dog of the Week.
1: Alright, as promised, Mr. Buster Bruton The dog of the week. Come on, Buster. Make it good.
2: All right. So this week's dog is uh, a few prison guards at the Orlando prison were caught giving an inmate Chinese takeout food in exchange for financial advice from the inmate.
1: So this guy had, like, credentials. Was one of his a CVA and the other a SIPA? Ah. Not
2: sure what his designations were, but... uh, (sighs) Of all things he wanted Chinese takeout for this advice. We got new competition guys. China Man fees, fees really are going down. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, fee compression, yeah. local fruit. New low. I I just <laughs> wonder what uh, made him the what made him the guy. I mean, must be results or I mean what kind of y- financial You know what I like? Think to, they made him a financial plan or you think they talked about the market?
2: I like to imagine him getting the Chinese takeout reading the fortune cookie, and that was his financial advice. Or maybe yeah. he gave him lottery <laughs> numbers <laughs> <laughs> off the back of the fortune cookie.
1: Yeah. I, you know, there's, there's competition everywhere, it sounds like. Um, I don't know if we can actually legally provide advice for a convicted felon. Well, the convicted felon, or well, I think the convicted felon was here.
3: providing the advice, Yeah, he it was, wasn't provided to him. Yeah, the no, guard. he was,
1: was providing it to them. Right. They, yeah. they were all. Let's let's get it right. They were all probably convicted of something, or they wouldn't be there. Well, he was giving Cap- to the guards.
2: Yeah, he was giving the advice to oh, the, the guards. Oh, the guards. Yeah. yeah. And since then, the guards have. I left should probably
1: there. pay attention when the <laughs> doing a dog of the week. Wake
2: up, Troy. Was this oh. was was this by any chance Martin Screlly? <laughs> now it makes sense. <laughs> oh, oh, that would oh, make oh, sense. I don't
1: know. He he wasn't really the financial guy. He was he was more of a corporate finance guy, wasn't he? He, he owned the company and made the decisions inside.
2: I guess. Well, he's like a hedge fund like a, before that. Yeah, he had, a hedge, had fund, a hedge right? fund, Yeah, but he knows about all the it's biotech the hedge fund stuff. That oh, yeah. actually,
1: it's the hedge fund that actually landed him in prison, wasn't yeah. it?
2: It's a shame because he's a smart guy. Well, well it'll be out. It'll be out. yeah. He's enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's enjoying a, it. Gonna <laughs> he's going to still He's eating Chinese food. I was going to okay, say yeah. he's
1: still going to be making Chinese food for Or uh, fees, but uh, I don't know that he can be in that business no more.
2: I guess Chinese food makes sense, too, because you can probably get the chopsticks into the... In prison. Oh yeah,
4: not about yeah. That. Might have made him eat. I'll, 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 you really but you could make it serious.
2: to you could make it shifts. Well, the ship the guards though, were probably. getting it
1: for him, so you could probably. Yeah.
2: They just fed it to him.
1: No, no. I'm just saying they probably <laughs> would have gotten him whatever he wanted. <laughs> Can you put a file in my
2: Chinese? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, All
1: right, Buster, you uh, you, you did great. Thanks, Troy. Yeah. But but the reference that I made actually made me remember something, Nick. We were talking about your CVA early in the show. I know you got a SEPA recently, and you might have even talked about this on the air, but I want to hear it.
3: Yeah, so... What
1: is a SEPA, and what do you do with that?
3: Yeah, so the, myself and Steve talked about this, I think, two or three weeks ago um, okay. on the on the air. So uh, we're part of the Exit Planning Institute, uh, and we're Exit Planning Advisors. That's what the SEPA stands for, Certified Exit Planning Advisor. And basically, uh, what our objective as a SEPA is, is to help business owners transition their business you know as they enter that next phase of life or really start planning well before that next phase of life even comes to be so maybe you're 35 years old you're thinking oh i'm going to be working for another 30 years um but it's never too early to start planning for your exit because the unexpected you know is exactly that you don't plan on it to happen and your exit from the business or transition may come sooner than you expect and Really, in its this, in this most simplistic form, exit planning is just good business strategy and, you know, increasing the value of that business. So just to kind of throw some statistics out there, only 46% of business owners have planned for their exit. Furthermore, those who have actually had a plan, only 20 to 30% of those actually can sell their business because you think a lot of people, we have clients who will come in, oh, my business is worth $5 million. Okay, well – where'd you come up with that valuation? Sure. Oh, well, my friend sold their business for, you know, X times EBITDA. Okay, well, was it the same industry? Um, you know, w- were they in as good a financial health as you are? Or, or were they in better financial health? There's so many different factors that can come into play. So you really need to understand the true value of your business. And, you know, if if you're relying on that $5 million price, you know, to fund your retirement, what happens when it comes time and Okay, you you are able to sell your business, but the buyer comes and says, All right, well I'm gonna give you two million up front and the payout the rest of it's gonna be paid out over five years, something like that, or maybe it's longer, um, or maybe you have to work for an extended amount of time. So there's a lot of things to consider that most business owners it never comes to mind.
1: Yeah, and valuations do change along with the economic conditions as yeah, well.
3: Absolutely. And so if you if you look now, if you're a business owner and you're listening, if you look now, valuations despite, you know, the stock market pulling back, now's uh, as good a time as ever to
1: you really kind of pursue a sale exactly you know, get that peak get
3: valuation
1: yeah and and it's not always just a a transaction i mean it's not going to be necessarily that you sell it could be passing it on to the next generation absolutely it could be part there's of a, the plan,
0: there's right? so
3: many different ways to transition to business it's not strictly oh i'm just going to sell it or y- you can sell a piece of it over time and you know they call it the second bite of the apple you know maybe you you uh, sell 20 percent employees right now and you maintain the other 80 percent and you know, you increase the value of that business over the next ten years, and then you want to sell the remaining eighty percent that you have. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of strategies. You know, if it's something, if you're a business owner, it's something you'd like to talk to, to us about. You know, feel free to give us a call. You can reach us at seven seven zero four two nine nine one six
4: six.
1: There you go. Ask for Nick and Tanucci. So uh, guys, we uh, we touched a little bit on interest rates, uh, what uh, what that did to the market, and I believe that it's Probably the biggest factor adding to our volatility right now, Uh, probably the one that's most likely to change um, economic growth, in my opinion. Uh, It surely changes valuations, Nick. You just talked about valuation and what's one of the big things that you got to have, and it's um, cost of capital, which is what we use. I mean, let's face it, you buy an investment, and what have you bought? Uh, Theoretically, you've bought a stream of cash flows, if you buy a business you should have a long term stream of cash flows and what are those cash flows worth well uh they're all future so you know we don't really know exactly what they'll be but in order to get them back to a present value you uh you have to use the cost of capital that is used to purchase them right and that cost of capital is always impacted by a raise in interest rates um the the fed's rate is usually the base building block to uh, to the interest rates um, that a bank will will uh, lend you. Um, so in its most simplistic are, are terms, if
3: the Fed's raising rates, you can bet that your cost of capital to run your increasing. business is increasing as yeah. well. And so
1: the denominator of this equation goes up. Right. The valuation, the in, in number goes down. So um, while tariffs might hurt those businesses that are looking to import or export, um, interest rates hurt everybody no matter what.
2: Well, Speaking of that, how much how much do you think the Fed is handicapping the potential for further tariffs? And you know, I think tariffs are going to be inflationary if we sure. increase our. T- do you think that's in consideration? Well,
1: I think I think the offsetting argument to that would be well, it's also going to slow down economic activity.
0: Right, right, right. So right. So
1: wouldn't wouldn't the argument be about as strong on either side there? Again, I, like I say, I've thought about this a good bit. The only sense I can make of it is, you know, the the Fed is is retooling.
4: Yeah. Uh, the
1: fundamentals surely did not support the interest rate increase. I, we've had some clients call in and talk about, you know, the fact that it was a conspiracy that uh, Jerome Power just wanted to get. They wanted to get back at Donald Trump. Make a point. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, to me, I think that's that's kind of a stretch. Well,
2: they've got they've got a neutral rate target that's probably what two hikes higher. It, it was three percent, I think, it, now it's down to two point eight. But if you looked at the rate path, they planned on going higher than the neutral rate. Yeah, we're at two five now, there. right? That's yeah. the high
1: end. So
2: yeah.
1: we're a stone's throw from two point eight. But
2: i talked to you guys about this from time to time but i think in fairness it's like if we're going to talk about two percent inflation and you know over two percent gdp growth the economy should be able to handle <laughs> rates at a little bit of an three percent yeah
1: yeah you know I, I was mean,
2: reading something today and it talks
3: about what an influenced global central banking uh you know with with their stimulus quantitative easing has had on this and they're saying in in a a normal world, if there is such a thing, uh, are two point five percent. They're basically saying if you didn't have central banks elsewhere easing still, or you know still being very accommodative, add another one and a half percent, you'd be somewhere around four, four and a half percent for uh, yeah for well, rates yeah, right now you, as opposed to where well, we that's are. Where two and we and were in
1: two thousand six. Yeah, and, 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 and But when you
3: think that kind of makes sense when you put it in the context of of a global situation, then you have European bonds yielding so little,
1: you <laughs> know, yeah, Japanese.
3: Nothing. Right, right, yeah,
1: it's still I mean, how in the world uh, that those really baffle me, but I mean, we still have Europe well, up until the end of the year, talking about they were quantitative easing,
3: yeah, talk about
1: retooling, who who's they're good? not
3: raising rates though, they're just stopping the bond buying
1: well, that was the yeah, that was the plan is to stop it, but they just stopped. when did we do that, two thousand fifteen yeah, yeah, so, so we've been sitting here trying to retool for the possibility of the next recession for several years now um and the rest of the world while their valuations look cheaper um you begin to wonder if we do have some sort of a global slowdown yeah
3: i i who think gets that's hurt worst? you know i know we're kind of running out of time on this segment but i think that's a, something good to pick up on um in the next segment yeah valuations look cheap but that doesn't necessarily mean that um you're going to have a greater performance in, in that asset class uh, just because it looks cheap right now. Yeah,
1: no doubt. Well, let's take a real quick break for listening Baby, to Money Talk. Stick like around. We'll be
0: right back. When you're pregnant, you start reading about the cost of having a baby. When you start reading about the cost of having a baby, you learn about the cost of sending that baby to college and immediately start saving all your money in a 529 plan. When you save all your money in a 529 plan, you save no money in your 401k, thinking your son will get a business degree from Harvard and take care of you in retirement. When you think your son will take care of you in retirement, he changes majors and gets a degree in jazz studies. When he gets a degree in jazz studies, he moves back home with you and you have to support him. When you have to support him, you don't get to retire. Don't be forced to work through retirement to support your jazz-loving adult son. Stop investing without a plan. and upgrade to Money Talks. This is Money Talks. It always cracks me up when i play
1: that particular segment and I've got young unmarried gentlemen on the show I wonder that first little smack and the baby crying their eyes get big as saucers and they look scared to death <laughs> I got to tell you you guys both uh, looked at each other like oh my god what's that noise <laughs> yeah anyway I'm glad you maintained your seats uh you're listening to money talks I'm Troy Harmon here with Nick Antonucci, Jacob Keene, and Buster Bruton. Uh, if you guys have questions for us, we always love to hear them. You can call our question hotline, 1-855-429-9166. You can email us at drgenehensler.com. That is spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, you could also call and talk to a human being. Uh, the way the question hotline, let me back up a little bit, the way the question hotline works You call in, you get a recording, you leave your message, uh, including your question, uh, your name or some way to identify if we could. Uh, We play your recorded question on the air and follow it with our answer. Uh, But if you prefer to talk to a human being, our uh, normal line is 770-429-9166. You can talk to our show producer who will get us the question and uh, we will make sure we get it answered on the air. So, guys, when we last talked, Nick, uh, you bit on a bit of a story about international and the fact that. Yeah, uh,
3: it, was, it was really driven by, you know, we read a lot of these forecasts as we come to the end of the year, start a new year. Sure. Um, and something that surprised me is this really, op- I guess, relatively optimistic outlook on international markets. And I'm just not sold on it.
1: Um, Well, this is the same that it was last year, right?
3: Yeah, it's it's like this argument that okay, valuations relatively look cheap. I agree with that, right?
1: But they did last year, and how'd that work out?
3: Exactly, not well. So just because valuations look good doesn't guarantee it to be a a great investment. And I I just you know you talked about where you would invest internationally. You didn't mention Europe, and that's not somewhere I would want to be either or China. Like you look at Europe, they're they're coming they're coming you know towards the end of their stimulus program, as we talked about in the previous segment. Sure. Um, so you're going to have tightening in Europe. You have declining GDP, so slowing growth. Tightening while we're declining. Yeah. I mean, you've had the GDP growth slow in every quarter this year. Seems like we, what we did
1: in the U.S. just last month, right?
3: Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, you have the bre- the uncertainty of the Brexit.
2: So I, I Well, not just that. I it's think, like the existential threat of, like, is does the euro actually work?
3: I think I, they're going <laughs> to make well, it as, as, as brutal last, as possible what, for the U.K. to leave because they don't want – Everyone, oh, if you you got decent terms for your exit, now everyone else is going to want to
2: yeah, right, want to jump like, ship. It's like clockwork that there's some sort of debt crisis in in the European Union, like always. every two years, always. Now we're well, th- nobody's we're talking following about the Italy, rules
1: like but. they should.
2: Yeah, well, I, I think if you're talking foreign developed markets, you can make an argument for Japan. Japan's always just low inflation, low growth, yep. typically strong currency. You know, you know what
1: you're getting. No inflation, <laughs> you <know>. no growth. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: You know what you're getting, but a little bit of diversification, and and I think EM emerging markets can succeed at at, at some point in the near future, but I would avoid China. And well, it Southeast seems like we have.
1: I mean, completely. if you look at China GDP growth, it's around 6.5 percent, but even that was questionable in their last report, yeah. right? And and that's still where I am. It's it's hard for me to trust the Chinese, to be honest with
2: you. Well, they've got a they've got a system that's so so leveraged. It's just it feels right. kind of like a ticking time bomb. I mean, it 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 gets tiresome because we talked about the ghost cities and how they, sure. they they're basically manufacturing growth with their centrally planned economy. But you can't have 300 uh, percent debt to GDP and have. Sixty million empty condos.
1: Yeah, much of that and, debt to and
2: survive, and, and when when Trump's basically putting the screws to them, it's it, it kind of it's it's like tides going out. Yeah, I mean, what are well, you guys going to do? And
1: and the uh, a lot of the leverage that you're talking about is is on a personal level, right? When did we see that in the U.S.?
2: Well, that that's 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 the thing with China is is when when they when they buy these in, the investment properties, right. They're, they don't have the same amount of leverage as we do. I'm, right. They're there's putting like fifty, sixty, seventy like percent down on the properties.
1: Well, I know there's social.
0: It's it's more at the, the, the it's
2: more at the municipal level, more at the government level because they do have essentially planned economy. So but if the property, what I see as a property bubble ever does burst, it, then it could be ugly. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't want to be there.
1: Well, <laughs> when talking when about it leverage, the reason I'm bringing it up is the leverage in the U.S. is different. Uh, what we've seen lately is all these. Companies and and they've been enticed by low interest rates for quite a long time to borrow more money and buy back shares. Yeah, which leads us to kind of a valuation conundrum. Well, something that we've looked at for a little while. Yeah,
2: now. and there's something that's been happening lately, and I and I might be might be uh, saying this every time <laughs> every time I get a chance, but credit spreads have widened.
4: Yeah. If you
2: look at the corporate bond market, it's getting a, a little bit dicier, and and. To your point with valuations, I mean, we, we look we look at PEs, right, guys? Well yeah. that's
1: that's really the big one. It's the one that everybody looks at most of the time if you're looking at valuation for a company.
2: Yeah, and it you you look at that and you're like, ah, there's nothing wrong with this picture. Yeah, it's, it looks it's but we relatively
1: got, close we to got the sixteen point five P E that is
2: on three percent GDP growth, solid, strong yeah. economy. What's wrong what's, what's wrong with that? Well, one of the problems is kind of what you alluded to, you got the buyback engine, you got cheap credit, that's inflated profit margins, and you also have wages that haven't really risen in real terms until very recently. So businesses are haven't been keeping all their profits and not really uh, passing those along to their employees. So what we have is profit margins that are higher than they've ever been. So we've, we've got a couple other things that we look at to kind of ground that valuation. So we look at price to EBITDA. Which is kind of like a cash flow measure. You can't yeah, really engineer that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, a you proxy. Can't. And, and yeah. same thing, you can't do that with sales either. Yeah. And price to sales. And and one of the, the scariest things that we look at uh, is those, both those measures are elevated in, in a way that they were if you go back to the tech bubble. If
1: you just look at two or three months ago, uh, the price to EBITDA was at least at tech bubble levels. Right. Uh, same thing two, three months ago, price to sales very near the the uh, tech bubble valuations. So you've got PE that looks good, Yeah. price to EBITDA, price to sales that look scary. Mm-hmm. Um, the and truth
2: and is probably somewhere in between. Now, we're
1: not saying that corporations have actually cheated and lied. What they've done is is what we would call it I think is probably engineering financial engineering um but you know it benefits them, makes their target a whole lot easier to hit, so you know just think about this instead of uh using your your retained earnings, you go out and borrow money and you buy back your shares now and you with, have,
3: with money as cheap as it was
1: yeah it's it made I, sense i mean it's the easiest way to grow earnings right. Uh, you don't have to actually have to grow earnings. Yeah. All you have to do is maintain. You go across the board. Look and you at IBM. Fewer, yeah, it's a per share measure. Price per share divided by earnings per share. And if you've got fewer shares, and the price maintains where it was, and your earnings because they're divided by fewer shares grow, you've you've made your uh, your PE still look. Pretty attractive, right? Right,
0: right. So So um,
1: it's it's uh, one of those things. We're not crying foul on the company. What we're crying is, uh, hey, you better watch out. Valuations measured by the PE are not the whole story here.
3: And, you know, we, we'll talk about this in the, in the final segment, but, you know, we can use this data and look at, you know, price ratios, valuations, and make some sort of, you know, educated guess as to what returns may be like in the future. Right. And that's something that we do internally and kind of – make some assumptions about what what we can expect in years ahead and you know it's it's not necessarily going to be that 10% you hit every single year as you, as you saw last year.
1: Yeah, and and you know when uh one of the things that's made us nervous for quite a few months now in fact we've been talking about it since last January is uh is the fact that the economy uh numbers have looked really really good for a long mm-hmm. time. Um at some point you get to the to the to the uh Situation where you say, "How does this get better again?"
2: Right. I well, mean, we juiced it. How does <laughs> it? And t- now I'll tell you <laughs> what. Uh, now I, I, I see gear. some things
3: that are finally like, "Okay, you, we have we have some big uncertainties right now." So. Yeah.
1: All right. So when we come back, we'll talk more about that. You're listening to Money Talk. Stick around. We have lots to talk about in the last segment. Listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Buster Bruton. We we'll do it backwards today, okay? Okay. Buster Bruton, Jacob Keene, and Nick Antonucci. And uh, we in order of height. In order, is that it?
2: Ouch. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, Nick.
1: Oh, I thought Nick was the tallest. Is it? No. Oh, okay. I get it backwards.
2: Um, yeah, in his own oh.
1: mind. Okay, sorry about that, Nick. You're a towering... Can't catch a break, man. You're a towering. Fellow. Always got to pick on me. I think I'm about a half inch taller than you, but that's it.
3: Yeah, but the way you talk, it's like you're a foot taller than me. I'm the short guy. You get picked on around here.
1: Uh, poor Nick. Um. Anyway, somebody's got to be the short guy, I guess.
2: Well, I guess.
1: We can't all be as tall as me.
2: Well, he's got the most letters in his name, so there's that.
1: Uh. He does that. It's like an alphabet. You seat. think
2: that's like a selling point?
4: <laughs> no. Like when
2: you're trying to find an apartment like
3: <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm only 5'10", but... Uh, short and height, I long and got, got a lot of letters in my name. Yeah.
1: If we have Maybe children, start using that. If we have Whoa, children. easy. I mean, talking like 50 years down the road. You oh, know, you said if we have, have this, children, not you and I. Uh, I mean, I got kids. <laughs> I've got my own. Okay. you get yours. All right. I'm just saying, you know, there's sports paraphernalia. gonna have.
3: Yeah, it was tough. It was tough being me as a kid.
1: Whole full. Whole
3: small jersey. The long last name. Did, did your name go
4: <laughs> from your
1: elbow? They had to shrink. To the, they had to shrink
3: the font size to get it on my jersey. <laughs>
1: I just figured yeah, they it. made
3: me a long sleeve jersey. Yeah,
1: so you go from elbow to elbow. With right. Name.
3: right. That's actually
1: pretty pretty cool. I'd love to see that. You got some kid jerseys. Well, he's, got his, he's got his
2: trophies up on his. That's right, I do.
1: <laughs> I, did that happen while
3: you were here? I don't know. Yeah, Have you I, seen that? Yeah, I saw uh, okay.
1: What's up with that, though? Oh, my
3: dad was going to get rid of my trophies. And I thought, oh, we're, we're better that. to put them on display than at work for you guys to see what a specimen I was when I was eight and nine.
1: Yeah, well. It's it's amazing. I thought your dad loved you, but I guess he's going to get rid (laughs) of you. Clearly not. Yeah, well.
3: He's accepted the fact that I'm not the athlete, I guess, and he's like, we'll get rid of him now. (laughs) I accept you for who you really are at this point.
1: Yeah. The short guy.
2: A mathlete. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. A mathlete. Yeah. There we go. All right. So, uh, last segment, we talked about valuation and how it looks much different PE versus price to EBITDA versus price to sales. And, um, we do some projections based on those,
0: yeah, yeah, uh, we've
1: got a model or two, and uh, not only that, well, I mean, we're looking at economic conditions, which, like we said, we get a little nervous when it looks too good to to grow right, um and it's been there a few months, but uh you know the the conditions have still stayed fundamentally sound, they've been okay until recently, we started seeing some p m i numbers, so that goes into the equation here too, but If you just run some regression models that we've got, um, if you only use PE, looks like the model would indicate, this is a hard number, you know, we usually use a range, but uh, probably an 8% growth in 2019 for the S&P 500. Um, You look at the fundamentals and you start questioning that a little bit, right? But the difference, and I think really what we want to focus on here is the difference. Uh, And and this kind of makes the point we were trying to make in our last segment. You look at price to EBITDA, looking for about a 1.2% loss. You look at price to sales, about a 1.5% loss. So we've got two signals that, like we said, look more similar to uh, tech bubble days that are telling us that the market might be down in 2019. You look at, um, you know, the, the fundamental that everybody wants to focus on, which we think's been manipulated a little bit. I won't. Uh, manipulated is probably a strong word. Companies have taken advantage of cheap money to lower their cost of capital, to make their companies look as if their yeah. earnings have grown by more than what they might have grown, just by lowering the number of shares. Sure. Um, I mean, it is the CFO's job, in my opinion, to make the cost of capital as low as they can. Now, how you get to that, um, I guess, is debatable. Uh, Some, I've had professors tell me that uh, a company should borrow money until the next dollar they borrow would have to be under a junk rating by S&P. To me, that's a little excessive. Uh, Most companies don't do that. The reason being as they borrow more money, the cost of bankruptcy actually starts creeping into their weighted average cost of capital and their debt becomes more expensive. So you can't borrow as a triple A, well, put it like this, you can't borrow as a triple B rated company at the same rate you can borrow as a triple A rated company, right? Triple A being the absolute best, triple B being kind of on the verge of whether or not it's investment grade or speculative grade. So, um, you know, the, the, I think the well, big point is you've got two signals that are telling us that we might have a loss in 2019. you got another signal telling us 8%, which, by the way, is lower than that long-term average we talked about. And I think it's all about
3: setting expectations. You know, look where yeah. we've come from. We're two months out of being 10 years from the bottom of, of the market, right, in 2009. Yep. So you can't, you can't reasonably expect that every year – you can attain that 10% long-term. By the way, return on equities. The
1: annualized return since the bottom of the market, what, well, 16.68%. Yeah, so annualized.
3: And and I think a lot of people, nobody likes to see you know their their balances drop, you know their stocks lose value. But I, I had a client stop in last week and and just talking to him and at least from his perspective, he's like, listen, I kn- I knew it wasn't going to continue forever, and I think you have to set those expectations for yourself as. Sure, you've loved to to see every year your your account balance go up, but the reality is that's not going to happen forever. No. So you need to set your expectations for lesser gains. You know, we had a year last year where we lost four percent.
1: Well, let's talk about from our last market top, which would have been October ninth, two thousand seven. From that point, we lost fifty two percent in the market in seven and eight, right? Down to the bottom of the market in three nine of oh nine. I just gave you kind of a pie in the sky number that's just on the recovery from the recession, 16% plus annualized number return. Uh, I mean, this is not where we are right now, but you go to the top of the previous market and look at that number It's somewhere around 6.45. So just slightly less than six and a half percent annualized return over a period that, you know, had some ugly stuff in the middle of it. Um, what will happen next, uh, I believe, given the signals that I'm seeing, we're likely to have a recession, especially this inversion of the yield curve. This stuff gets kind of scary if you're a market watcher like the three of us are, Buster, you two. Um, you know, so, so you get in a spot where, uh, where you start looking at economic conditions, showing a little bit of tatters. Uh, they had been perfect. Employment situation, situation still solid. Uh, many of the numbers in there are still pretty good. Uh, GDP did the final uh, tally for third quarter did step down to what three point four from three point yeah. yeah. five is yeah. initial. Um, well, guys, got some bad. To to I mean, that.
2: just a quick whip around. You know, the 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 main hits that I that I take as far as economy goes. Consumer still strong. Yep. Activity levels you, we mentioned PMIs are tailing off a little bit. It's still expansionary, so
1: well. Consumer, let me make a nothing point. Nothing worries that before there. You get too far away. Uh, consumer um, earnings growth, it's like three point one percent. Yeah. Economic growth two point one percent. The consumer feels well strong. Yep. I mean, sure. why wouldn't you be strong? strong. You got three point seven percent unemployment. Everybody's got a job, and wages are growing faster than inflation. What's not to love right now?
3: Right. Uh, you know, I'll say one thing and let you kind of wrap it up there, Jacob. If, if the, the past month has really caused you to reevaluate your situation and caused you serious concerns, you need to look at your how you're invested your situation. You know, we follow the 10-year rule here, but if, if you're younger and, and you don't like to stomach, you know, a lot of the, the volatility you've seen in the markets, maybe it's time to rethink, I thought I was an aggressive investor, but this isn't for me. I'd like to kind of, you know, tone it back a little bit. And the so, way
1: you tone back is you, you buy stocks and sectors that – have long-term pers- perspectives like utilities, staples, healthcare, or you buy bonds. Mm-hmm. Any of those will take volatility out of your portfolio. Jacob, sorry I stepped on you. Go for it,
2: man. No, you're, I think the the last thing I would say is there's there's been very few occasions where over a ten-year period, um, equi- uh, bonds beat out know, equity. So if you're looking at these expected returns, it's kind of what we're talking about is they're going to be lower. They're going to be closer to bond-like if you're looking at the next 10 years. I wouldn't um, disagree with that. Um, and I guess that's it, but if you look at the equity market, there are plenty. We talk about the market as a whole, but there's stocks out there that are cheap. So yeah. it's a stock picker's market. No
1: doubt, yep. Go out and do your homework. Don't invest without it. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. We'll be back next week.